Hello. Bart Simpson fading into the ivy there. Oh, that was Homer. Or Homer Simpson. That's one of my favorite yeah. memes of all time. It is a good. I don't really watch one. The Simpsons, but I don't really either. But that's, uh, that's a good. One. Even if you don't watch The Simpsons, gift. you know The Simpsons. Everybody it's one of those Simpsons. pop culture things that just defining moments in American pop culture. <sighs> for okay. better or for worse. You look very dapper today. I do. With your little thrill neck sweater. Yeah. Well. I feel like you should be in like a like a. I'm, I'm Steve Jobs. Commercial or I'm something. Put my glasses on so I can be Steve Jobs. Did Steve Jobs ever have a beard? Yeah. Hmm. Scruffy beard. No, you know. I always have comments. Leave them. Maybe don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe filter them. Hello, Mara. Hello, Hello Fada. Fada. We are not at Camp Granada. We are in the basement. That's where they put us. It's much, uh, <laughs> much warmer in the sweater than I was expecting. You didn't expect to be warm in a sweater? Not this warm. Usually it's cold in it's here. It's the turtleneck. It, normally it's, it's kind of chilly. Neck. But uh, being already above freezing today, it's... That ain't going to last long. Nope. It's supposed to get real cold and real snowy oh, real fast. Better. That's a better thing for the sweater, sweater thing. Sweater weather. Also. Yes. Sweater weather. Hello, everyone. Aren't you glad to be here with, with <laughs> us in the we're moment? We're just rocking and rolling. With and us in the moment. I feel like, you know, I should have a cup of coffee to, to do this, but I'm too hot for coffee. So anyhow. It's like an 80s song, like by a hair band. Too hot for coffee. Hmm. You're picturing it. I know you are. You know I am. Anyway. We could <laughs> we could do that with our, our new band, Postmodern Nukebox. Right. So. Too hot for coffee. <laughs> That's a change from the 90s music that I've had stuck in my head for the last two days, which is really no different than I was most listening of my to the 90s country this morning. It's the best country, it's aside not. from like Johnny Cash. and It is It is the You're either going to go like era. 50s and 60s or 90s yeah. for country. Everything all, else is garbage. All good stuff. Although I, I was a big fan of Barbara Mandrell back in the day. I like and, yeah. Who were you listening to 90s country? Uh, Toby Keith, Trace Adkins. And, Those are classic 90s. Yeah. Toby's first single should have been a cowboy, which was to my to this day one of my favorite songs of his. I will so. argue that country music today is not country music. Um, it it definitely pushes the standards. There's not as much country and a mm -hmm. whole lot more. I blame Taylor pop Swift. Stuff. Yeah, because I refuse to blame Shania Twain for anything. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting when Shania Twain is more more country, more redneck than half the stuff. Now that you, you seem to define country by how many times can you talk about beer, illicit behaviors, mm -hmm. smoking things, you know, which I blame Kid Rock for, by the way. Uh, well, and Willie Nelson, of course. I was like, yeah, you're going to blame somebody for that. <laughs> but, but Kid Rock sang about it. But Kid Rock, know. when he first came out, he certainly was not country. No, no. He was rock and rap. And he's from Detroit. Right. So, or, you know, Detroit area. I'm sorry. So. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. But ba with a ba. <laughs> as, uh, as Alan Jackson so prophetically noted, everybody's gone country. So. It's true. It's better than what everybody really has gone. So. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, and part of the reason that we see these, when you, when you watch music dynamics. He's going to transition. I saw it, uh, uh, or I heard, it was probably, I don't know, almost 20 years ago. I think you were still in school at the time. And, uh, <laughs> 20 years ago. So, well, we're getting there. We're I know. There. I know. But, it just you hit know, me. You're probably, I don't know. <laughs> I'm crying. Anyway, it was uh, some cultural uh, 
radio guy and talking about it was a, I mean it was a DJ but talking about cultural things talking about how the market had um, kind of you could see a pattern of rotation since R&B became a thing that mm. there'd be this sweeping move of R&B rap kind of music a lot of hip hop and then the whole thing would flip and go very country focused, country and folk kind mm. of focused. And then it would flip back. And then, it, you know, as people would get tired of these extremes and they'd swing the other way and go to these other extremes. And I think now we've got a really big kind of amalgamation where everything pushes to the pop middle. So, right. you know, that rap, makes sense. rap yeah. is commercialized, uh, country is commercialized. Everything goes to that pop middle. Makes sense. So that pretty much... You know, you have it's a safety zone. Yeah. I mean, Nashville is now BTS. You know, you've got you got everything is I have yet the, I have yet to listen to a BTS. <laughs> whatever so. used to be, you know, the Grand Ole Opry is now a Korean boy band. You know, that's kind of just the where, where the world is. But so much of it is driven by our hedonistic lifestyles. And a big part of it is that we don't pass on the faith. We don't pass on the values. Well, you got there. And so that's as parents. You know, so many of us today in in my elderly generation now, the Gen Xers, um, you know, we we kind of have morphed what our parents generation, you know, where it's so much of that hippie influence that came through so much of the rebellion of the of the 60s that um, kind of resulted in, you know, the kids will be all right. You know, just do do your thing. You, you don't really need to be so restrictive. Only those those really mean, oppressive parents, you know, are hard on their children and have these expectations. Kids are going to, they're going to do their thing. They're going to listen to rock and roll. And so uh, as they're doing it, so many of our parents of that generation asked a lot of good questions and didn't come up with any good answers. And so, you know, some of us were blessed enough to have parents that grew up in that generation, but had more World War II values, you know, the <clears throat> little small town America, older stuff. But um the there was so much pursuit of our own interests mm -hmm. at the expense of our children and my generation has expanded on that uh your generation has expanded further on that and now well, it's hard to believe there's a generation behind you now that is in, entering adulthood um so i saw a TikTok the other day and it was this girl in her car and she goes respectfully if you were born in the 1900s and i said the 1900s we're calling it the 1900s now. That's where we are. It's not even the 80s or it's 90s. Not the 20th it's if century, you were born in the yeah. 1900s, yeah. I just sat down in my recliner and didn't want to get back. Yeah, that's where we are. But but we, I mean, just look at the politics of our nation. Everything is about me, 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 me. What's right. in it for me? You know, and even the 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 push for you know whatever the current agenda is, whether it's you know, so-called women's rights or so-called race rights or so-called gay rights, whatever, whatever thing. It's almost never about rights for somebody else. It's right. about me getting my thing. You right. know, what, what protects my personal autonomy, the new God, you know, my, my free will to be able to do whatever I want with absolute impunity and not worry about the consequences. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. And so the definition of equality starting in, in, you know, especially in 73, but, but ever since then, we've pushed the definition of equality between men and women as the, the right to be unpregnant. And so millions of, of unborn children are murdered because 
of our desire to do our thing rather than the right thing. And when that takes over our thinking, then we no longer as a society recognize our responsibility of, you might call the responsibility of transmission, of, of passing along the faith, the values that make us who we are. I just, uh, I don't remember who it was. I just heard someone talking about it. Um, oh, it was Oz Guinness. I just heard talking about it yesterday on the Breakpoint podcast, uh, who's English and not American, but was talking about the fact that what, what the, the, the um, motto of E Pluribus Unum was not because we all just became alike and one people, but because we were united out of all of our various backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You could be Italian or Irish, all the different ethnicities and uh, different perspectives, even political persuasions. None of that united us. But what united us was a set of shared values that we passed along to our children. And, and that is no longer who we are as a nation. We don't have the same shared core values that we used to. We, we're talking about people talk, that are, you know, no longer valuing the Constitution as a governing document. Well, that's pretty tough to maintain when our constitutional republic hinges on that. If we if we don't, if we if we're not governed by that, then we fall back into the same type of of cult of personality that results in despotism all over the world. There's no way to maintain our experiment in ordered liberty without shared core values right. as, as a people. But more importantly than that, more importantly than our national need for this is the need in the church for us to, to recognize that the values, the standards of God are bigger. They're just, they're more important than all of these paltry pursuits that we have. We are so pale and and weak and pathetic as we pursue all of these earth things at the expense of eternal things. And we really want to pass on to our children great self-esteem. We, we want them to be able to have happiness and have all of the things. We we see things like the, the pursuit of happiness in the Declaration of Independence as very much different than, than the Founding Fathers would mm -hmm, have. Mm -hmm. The Founding Fathers rooted, even those who were not, and many of most probably, just based on observation of humankind, uh, most were probably not actually Christ followers, but, but virtually all, well, all were influenced by the church as much as by the Enlightenment. They were also influenced by the Enlightenment. But, but even their Enlightenment perspectives were completely rooted in Judeo-Christian values. Right. Now we don't even share Judeo-Christian values in the church, where the church, and I use the term loosely, not, not the body of believers around the world and, and throughout time, but those who, in the visible church, those who identify as Christian, we're questioning whether the Bible is really the standard of our faith. Does the when the Bible condemns a thing, is it really condemned, or is that kind of maybe we don't really need to stick with that? Um, we we or it doesn't apply today. It doesn't things apply. Have things changed. have changed, right? You know, and and we have become pragmatic in our approach to things, where it, it's it's all about what works for me in my real life everyday experience. I want, you know, I want a faith that works in real life rather than having a faith that works for 
Christ. We're, our idea of faith that works is something that's practical. That is the the Joel Osteen kind of picture of I want to have, I, I want to be able to to have a better life. I want to have a better experience, so as opposed to what the Bible says. Your experience here is shaping you right. for God's glory. So essentially, it's a selfish faith. Hundred percent. And which, then we're passing that, that on. That's right. To our children. And and you know we kind of talked about that uh, the last couple of Sundays that. Parenthood is innately discipling. One way or another, our children are going to imitate us. They're going to learn from us, whether that's good even or bad. Even when you don't think they are. Even when you I'm can, finding that maybe out with especially when right. you don't think. I'm finding that out with my son. I'll say something just random or do something random that I don't even think he's listening. Right. And then he'll say that exact thing later. And I'm like, right. like I didn't. I, I so it's And you don't think about right. it until you hear it from your child's right. mouth. Right. You know, even things like, like accent. You know, we, right. we grow up not... You know, I don't have an accent. Nobody, right. no, nobody has an accent in their own world. You know, right. the, my own local dialect is that's normal, and everybody else is weird. Right. But you know, we try to teach our kids to say things correctly, right. and then we hear them say them the same way they hear us say them. Right. And it's like, um, where'd that come from? George, there's a period of time where he was watching a little too much Peppa Pig, and <laughs> so he would say things like, "Oh, there's the bin man," instead of the garbage. I'm like. Okay, <laughs> we got to switch shows well, for yeah. a little while. Not that the bin man is bad. It's kind of made to sound a little classy. But anyway, yeah, so they're picking up on everything. Well, if he watches Caillou, he could get really whiny. I refuse to have that in my house. <laughs> really whiny. Caillou's a little whiner. Anyway. There are some good things in Caillou. The whininess is not one of them. I appreciate his hair, but anyhow. His that's... lack thereof. <laughs> Uh, as, <laughs> Sorry. As we are looking at this, I mean, that's really the, the focus of the series is how we can become discipleship oriented parents mm -hmm. to, to do this God's way. And we um, have discussed uh, on several occasions now the reality that these expectations are not, it's not just for Christians. Christians are the ones who actually care about it. The expectation is the same for every human being to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. And our sin separates us from that purpose. The expectation for parents is to represent God, to reflect God to our children in such a way that we are developing, we are raising fully formed lovers of God from our children. So there's a discipleship, a training uh, with our kids that that involves teaching consciously instructing them and in, in sound thinking sound uh, understanding of truth understanding the bible um, there is a an element of of inspiration if you will of touching the heart being able to develop in them affections so that they love god and also the training of righteousness which we'll talk about next week <clears throat> in as we train the will to, through discipline, to bring them into line with what we know is right, what what they want to do, uh, then helping them to develop the habits of doing that. And if we don't discipline ourselves, we can't discipline our children, but right. that's for another podcast. Anyway, as we we're looking at this uh, this week, we were really focusing on this example aspect that, you know, of touching the heart and the, the way that we... Um, the, the way that we teach our kids best to to love the Lord, to know to know who He is, to value the Scriptures, to value the things of God, is by doing it ourselves. I mean, there's the the idea is it, it's it's unavoidable, really, 
uh, that values are better caught than taught. We, we can teach them and they can doubt our words, but when we live it and they see it, then they know what we believe. And when we live right. out a life that honors Christ, that is innately attractive. And while, uh, while there is a cost, uh, it's one thing for us to, uh, to talk about it. It's another thing for us to, to live it and demonstrate it. And when the kids see us living the cost and recognizing it, it's well worth that, right. that's when they begin to, uh, that's when they begin to fall in love with Jesus. Um, when they see mom and dad live in such a way that, you know what, I want some of that. Right. And truthfully, and they want to go to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> like my that, kid. that is just the classic line. Uh, <laughs> I mean, biscuits, chicken and dumplings. Tell, tell that story. Did you tell that on the podcast already? I didn't. Tell I didn't that listen. story because people, people got to hear from this boy. This, this is This is good stuff. Well, no, no. We were driving home from school and it was a particularly sunny day, which hasn't happened, you know, in a while. It in is winter. January in Michigan. Right. So it was kind of a sunny day and there were kind of wispy clouds in the sky and we were we were driving and uh, I was driving and uh, my child was in the back seat. Not goes, driving. Right. Not driving. Safely buckled in a booster seat. And um, he said, look at that the- was not my experience <laughs> growing up. I'll just tell you that right now. He goes, look at the beautiful clouds. And I said, yeah, they really are pretty today. And. Uh, he said that he was going to get a helicopter or go in a helicopter and fly up to the clouds and uh, jump out of the helicopter and land in the clouds <laughs> and see Jesus and talk to Jesus. And I said, oh, that's what would you say to Jesus? And see, the he, typical, this is a good teaching moment, right? You're, you're going to jump in here and teach your child and have conversations about well, it. Well, yeah, but then what? <laughs> but I said, oh, that's good. Yeah, you could see Jesus. And I said, what would you say to Jesus if you saw him? And he goes, I would say, I love you. And I said, oh, that's very nice. And then um, <laughs> he was quiet for like 30 seconds. And it was just like perfect comedic timing. And he goes, and I would ask him if he wanted to go to Quackabarrow. <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed my head off, but you know, that is it's awesome. my, it's his favorite restaurant. And why would it not be? Right. Truthfully. And it's probably yeah. Jesus's favorite. <laughs> if, yeah. Why would it not be? If he's going to sit down, uh, right. you know, if it's drive through it's probably Chick-fil-A. True. You know, Truth. Anyhow. Anywho. So yeah. That's my life. <laughs> this is and now I'll say training up your child in the way Another thing that go. we're doing lately or that his response is if he'll say he wants something like, whatever i'll say well i can't control that george and he goes he goes only god can and i said yes <laughs> See? anyway we're getting stuff yeah getting stuff. i don't know <laughs> if it's great but it's there <laughs> well but there is i mean there's before i'm taking it and, and, yeah. and to to have talk about jesus and, and i don't mean you know using his name as a curse word you right. know that that too many kids that's the only way they know his name uh, and, and the only thing they know about God is he damns because they hear right. that a lot. And so uh, this is not the way we want to teach our children. We want, to, we want to teach them the truth by living the truth. And so while it's necessary for us to instruct them, to, to, to read them the Bible stories and, and you know, teach them to memorize Scripture and to sing the, the songs of the faith, you know, the kids' songs, the 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 great hymns so that before they even understand what they mean mm. they're in them music has a way of doing that and then later on I, I will tell you there are a lot of hymns that i didn't understand the right. meaning of them right. probably most of them until i was an adult and and there are many i didn't understand even until i was a pastor i was right. i mean i was already in my 30s and i'm like oh wow i had never had no idea that's what that 
song was about. Right. Uh, but it was already in me. And so right. the more we have our kids memorize scripture, the Holy Spirit can bring that to mind that, you know, we are, we're, we're loading up the armaments with the sword of the spirit so that the spirit can then swing that in our children's lives. But anyway, the, the focus this particular week was on touching the heart and the idea that a parent's most effective discipleship tool is a life worth emulating. And, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, just from a, a personal perspective, you've shared enough of your story personally and stuff. And if anybody that listens knows you're uh, a single mom, uh, divorced, um, primary physical custody. And so sharing things with, with dad. Um, and, and so now we know that's not what God wants right. for your life, right? We, God doesn't, he hates divorce. He doesn't want us there. So how do we live that out in such a way that in a situation that is less than optimal, it's less than ideal, how do I show the reality of God to my kids through that? And, and ultimately the way I handle these situations, when I get when I get things wrong, when I get things right, when I'm teaching the ideal, when I fail to live up to the ideal, how I go about honoring God through that, mm. that's what is going to really teach my kids a lot. They're, they're going to learn from that. Um, and, and it requires both the teaching and the touching. I need to be able to give the example, and I also need to have them understand the explanations of why. Right. What is it that God actually does want? And when things go well, I need to explain why. You know, when uh, both of my siblings were divorced, we came from a home where divorce was just that was just not an option. It was not on the table. We had my, my parents had a fantastic marriage for 39 years before my father went home to the Lord. Um, and they weren't perfect people, so they didn't have what, you know, maybe you might call a perfect marriage. It was as about as perfect as you're going to get. Uh, but they fought, they, you know, did things wrong as far as, you know, just human nature. Uh, but they owned it and they taught us about the grace of God and they taught us about the discipline of, of, of God and, and the authority and submission that is necessary for us to understand. And before I learned theology, I knew God right. because of the example of my parents. And I want to do that with my kids. I, you know, the Bible calls us to this idea of, of reflecting the reality of, of Christ through our relationships. And none of that is more important than with our children. And so, you know, it's my kids are grown. I've got one child still at home and she's 15, so she's almost grown. But as we're working through um, this stuff, you've got a long way to go. And we're in different situations. And right? it's slightly terrifying based and, on how the world is. And, and mm. with the weight, when we recognize the weight of this, it should be. I, I think maybe even too many of us as parents aren't terrified. Or we're so terrified that we don't we don't trust God right. in it. And we recognize his sovereignty and we submit it all to him. And we make and this is where we kind of we started the series. We make the purpose of our parenting God's purpose. Mm. We we want to do this his way for his purposes so that the primary goal of our parenting is discipleship to train our children to bring them to the cross to to foster an environment that is ripe for the holy spirit to take hold of them and he he's going to do what he's going to do he can take hold of them when we do it completely wrong however then he's doing it in spite of us instead of through right. us and and so we want to we want to work with god not against him and when when God works 
through us to bring our children to the cross and they come to Christ, now we have the responsibility of teaching them how to live as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And if we are teaching that, even before they come to Christ, they're learning what it looks like. What does it mean to actually follow Jesus? What does it mean to truly be a worshiper of God and to to celebrate his glory? What does it mean to, uh, you know, to believe that Jesus is Lord? If God is actually the King of kings and Lord of lords, then my faith must result in obedience. I don't believe if I don't do it. Right. Faith is obedience. And and when we get away from that, and I think we, in the last 50 plus years, we've taught so much of the grace, 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 without, you know, we, and it's all about grace. I mean, Luther had some extremes of that, but but his whole point was, I did the law thing. I did right. the trying to earn it thing. It's it's only God's grace. But that doesn't mean God doesn't have standards and expectations, that there's no, you know, no doing to it. There, there's an awful lot of scripture that says, if you are in Christ, Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commands, mm -hmm. do what I say. Why do you say that you love me if you don't? Right. That, that doesn't make sense. And we recognize that. And, and Parenting not only is a discipleship for our kids, it's a discipleship for us. Sure. I get to learn more about God as I seek to represent him to my children, right? right? So there's a there's a whole lot that goes along with it. And as we go through the, the rest of the series, like I said, next week we'll talk about discipleship, discipleship through discipline, the, this idea that we're going to be able to teach the authority and submission that God has built into creation. We're going to teach more about who he is and who we are and how we relate to each other by the way we discipline our children. And when that becomes our goal in discipline, more than just creating, uh, you know, perfectly behaved little children who right. are socially acceptable and everybody likes them and they're polite, which is has its place, but it's it's limited. It's shallow. Uh, it's such well, an easy thing to get wrong. Yeah, you know, it, 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 everything sure. changes right. when our when our purpose changes. Mm. You know what I mean? When when it's no longer about me as a parent, and it's no longer about my child as a child. It's about God, and how do I bring my child to God, and how do I train my child to to know and to love God, and give them an example that they want to follow, right. not just drive them. You know, we don't want uh, if anybody remembers the old '80s movie Footloose with Kevin Bacon. Everybody remembers that. They should. Uh, that's, that was the typical 80s caricature, and I don't think it's changed a whole lot, of what Christianity is like. You know, the, John the, Lithgow. the strict, stern, don't do this, don't do that, stay away from all these bad things, protect your children, don't, you know, don't Don't let them dance. dance. You know, like, <laughs> why, do, why do Baptists not kiss on the front porch? The neighbors might think they're dancing, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, when, when that's our picture... Our kids are going to naturally rebel against that, and mm -hmm. the world will will use that as a tool. But That's when, a classic trope. It, yeah. it really is. But when we discipline out of love for God's glory, our children can grow up learning that. The you know legend has it, according to my mother, and she's not wrong. I remember it. You know that I I used to thank her uh, for spankings when I was a kid, um, and that was not entirely you know just you know, saying what I thought mom wanted to hear. But when mom said, this is for your own good, it hurts me more than it hurts you. I believed her mm. because she demonstrated that, that I love you. And, you know, when, you know, 
believe me, mom could get angry. And I know you're listening, mom. So I, She's we, we know there, you know, there's some anger that could happen. And oh, let's be honest, I could bring that out of the best of people. But the the reality of it was my mom cried as much spanking me as I ever did yeah. being spanked. And I recognized this this hurts her. Mm-hmm. And then as a parent, oh my goodness, the first time I had to had to spank my child and you know. CPS, come see my door if, you, if you've got questions about it. He's 32. Don't so, come so. to mine. <laughs> you still got a kid at home. You, yeah, y'all could come. Don't it, come to mine. But anyway, the the reality was the first time that I, I had to spank my child. I, I'm talking about for real, not, you know, swat on the right. on the diaper. That, that doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, I won't call out my mom for <laughs> busting out the wooden spoon. But, okay. Even though I just did. As a we'll dad, talk about it next as week. As a dad, I, I have to laugh at the wooden spoon. That, that, that's not real spanking. But anyhow, that's that's it is when that, your mom that's holds an off it the up. air conversation, yeah. probably. You know, moms have a tendency to spank with syllables. I told you not to ever do that. You know, <laughs> my dad was a one SWAT guy. We got one it, minute to it. It was shock and awe, right? Ugh. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I thought I was gonna throw up. It was it, yeah. I mean, it was it yeah. was the the real pain of a parent. But the the beauty of it is when we love our kids and we love the Lord, and our love for the Lord is what drives our love for our kids then it changes how we approach parenting. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, as always, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. I'm going to say this super fast because we have 30 She's seconds left. Uh, you can leave us a message on Facebook, YouTube, or uh, you can leave it on the Anchor app if you'd want to use that. I don't know if anybody uses that. Um, and as you know, if you're listening to this and you're checking us out later, we are doing the live streaming again on both Facebook and YouTube at 10-ish a.m. on Tuesdays. So be sure to call check us out. S- RLCC and leave us a voicemail. I'm going to stop the recording here. So goodbye if you're listening to this on your podcast app.